Well, this week, I imagine, we uh, celebrated the Thanksgiving holiday, a holiday where we all had time, hopefully, to celebrate, as most people are given time off of work to celebrate, that the kids are given time off of school to celebrate. And so it is this time we can gather with friends and family to feast and to remember all we have to be thankful for. It is a day, one day, in November, set aside where we can give thanks. Its very purpose is to give thanks. But it is not the only day set apart for such things. Each and every Sunday is set apart for the worship of God. And we gather each week with family, our church family, to give thanks to God. Our sermon text this morning shows us how weekly worship fuels what Miss Kelly described as thanks living. How we can live out the idea of thanksgiving more than just one day a year. And so we're going to look at Psalm 92 this morning. If you'd like, you can open up your Bibles or look in the bulletin. We're looking at Psalm 92. Now, in your Bibles, I'm not sure we have it in the bulletin, but in your Bibles, there is kind of a little title at the top of this psalm. We don't often read these when we look at the psalms. Uh, They are inspired titles, so they are different from little subheadings a Bible version might give. And so this psalm is called a psalm, a song for the Sabbath. It says that this is a song for the Sabbath, the day when God's people rested and gathered for worship, just like we are doing here on Sunday. And as we do each and every Sunday, it is a song describing worship, a song for the purpose of worship, and it starts with giving thanks. And so thankfulness is part of our worship. So let's turn to the Word of God this morning, to Psalm 92, and we can see how gathering for worship fuels thanksgiving in our lives. It is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your steadfast love in the morning and your faithfulness by night, to the music of the lute and the harp, to the melody of the lyre. For you, O Lord, have made me glad by your work. At the works of your hands I sing for joy. How great are your works, O Lord! Your thoughts are very deep. The stupid man cannot know, the fool cannot understand this, that though the wicked sprout like grass and all evildoers flourish, they are doomed to destruction forever." But you, O Lord, are on high forever. For behold, your enemies, O Lord. For behold, your enemies shall perish. All evildoers shall be scattered. But you have exalted my horn like that of the wild ox. You have poured over me fresh oil. My eyes have seen the downfall of my enemies. My ears have heard the doom of my evil assailants. The righteous flourish like the palm tree. 
and grow like a cedar in Lebanon. They are planted in the house of the Lord. They flourish in the courts of our God. They still bear fruit in old age. They are ever full of sap and green to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you, O God, that you give us scriptures that we might know you better, that we might know how to live for you. Scriptures that help give shape to our life and meaning to our world. We pray, O God, that you would please give us ears to hear your word today. Lord, I pray that you would use me in spite of my sin to faithfully and clearly proclaim your word, explaining and applying it. That you, O Spirit, would go forth in your power with the word to bring life as you promised to do. And so, God, open our hearts and minds to receive your word, to believe it, to live by it. And to know that through your word, we are called to give thanks and praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So looking at Psalm 92 today, what I want us to see is if Thanksgiving is kind of an engine in our hearts, it is not fueled by gravy and stuffing. Thanksgiving should be fueled by worship, by regular Weekly worship with the people of God, that gathering for worship is what fuels thankfulness in our hearts. Because worship points us to important truths that we can forget. The truth about God, the truth about our world, and the truth about what God has done for us. That worship constantly brings us back to these ideas that help us to give thanks in whatever circumstances we find ourselves. And so Psalm 92 begins by pointing us to God. It says, It is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to your name, O Most High. When we gather for worship, we gather to focus on God. That's why we are here. And an important component of our worship is giving thanks to God. You see, we don't just give thanks to those objects we are thankful for. We give thanks to someone, acknowledging that God is the reason we have blessed so wonderfully. And so we give thanks to God. And we express our thanks through praise. That praise and thanksgiving are intertwined because we naturally praise the person we are thanking. So if you receive a Christmas gift, say, in the next month or so, you might say, thank you to that person. You're thanking them. You're acknowledging their kindness in giving you a gift. It's a kind of praise, saying, thank you. I praise you for your generosity in thinking of me and getting me a gift. And so in worship, we thank God by praising God. But sometimes we gather for worship, and it's a Sunday. We're just not really sure. Can I praise God today? Is God good? Am I sure of that? Because my life is messed up. I'm not really sure what God's up to. The world seems rough. Can I praise God? When we gather for worship, we are reminded that yes, we serve a God who is good. That we can praise God for who He is 
and what he has done for his character and his works. When we praise God for his character, we are reminded of his goodness. That verse 2 shows us the character of God. It points to his steadfast love and his faithfulness. You can think about his steadfast love as his commitment or his promise to love us and his faithfulness as the daily fulfillment of that commitment and promise. And so when we rise each morning, we can give thanks knowing God has promised his love to his people. And we can end each day by thinking he has kept his promise to love his people. This fuels our thanksgiving because we are reminded we serve a good God. And we can start to think, what if God was not like that? What if God wasn't good? What if we would wake up and the Bible gave us no sure pledge that God was good? We had no guarantee that God would be favorable towards us or in a good mood today, that maybe God was kind of going to fly off the handle and we weren't really sure. Is he going to punish me severely today? Is he going to not be strong enough to help me today? No, by praising God for his character, by gathering, we are reminded we serve a God who has made sure and certain promises to us and we can be thankful for who our God is. The Bible also points us back to what God has done. He says this, For you, O Lord, have made me glad by your work. At the works of your hands I sing for joy. How great are your works. So we praise God, not just that he is good, but that he is actively good as well. God is not absent. He is not detached from the world. He is a God who is active. And as we look at the Bible each week gathered for worship, we are reminded, whoa, God has been providing for and protecting his people for generations, for thousands and thousands of years. God has done it in ways that are simple and in ways that are miraculous. And so as we come and we worship and we we hear his character and we hear about God's works, we are then called to praise God, to point ourselves back to God. And we do that through song. That it is good to give thanks to the Lord, to the music of the lute and the harp, to the melody of the lyre. Now we're fresh out of lutes and lyres here, but you know, we are praising God through song. And so singing is a regular part of our worship, not just because God commands it, but because singing is good for us, even if you're not very good at it. Singing is still good for you because singing has a way of lifting us up. It's got this kind of just unexplainable, mystical way of touching our hearts more than just words can. And if you don't believe me, think of this. Every week when we gather for worship, we do two things. We do two things. Again and again, we do other things as well. But these two things. We say the Lord's Prayer together and we sing the doxology. One of those, we say words in unison together. And one of them, we sing words together. As good as the Lord's Prayer is, I mean, it's straight, straight out of the Bible. We love the Lord's Prayer. This is not in any way diminishing the Lord's Prayer. That is a very good thing. 
But there's something different when we are joined together in song. In singing God's praise together. It helps us reflect on the goodness of God. And so as we gather each week for worship, we are reminded of God and His character. We are lifted up in song together. Now maybe another way to think about it is, what if instead of celebrating your wedding anniversary once a year, what if you celebrated it once a week? Would that not encourage you to remember your vows, your commitments, the one who loves you and the one whom you love together? Would that not reinforce and strengthen your knowledge of who that person is more and more? Yes, a lot more gifts and cards. I get that, okay? We'll just push push that part down. But we would be strengthened more and more. Worship is kind of like that. It is a weekly reminder of who we have been united to, who God is, His character, and what He has done for us. And so worship fuels thankfulness because we are so thankful that that is who God is. And that is what God has done. So that's the first way worship helps us, is it helps us look to God. Worship also helps us look around at the world all around us and give thanks. Now, I imagine if you at some point gathered for Thanksgiving and had a Thanksgiving dinner, and if you sat there with family and friends and everyone's like, tell me something you're thankful for. I am going to just imagine that maybe none of you said, I'm really thankful for the state of the world. I'm thankful for how things are going here on earth. I'm thankful for all the good. I'm guessing that probably wasn't said all that often around the table. Because often, when we look at the world around us, we are overwhelmed, not with thankfulness, but with frustrations. With the difficulties that we face. As we see evil continue to exist in the world, as we see corruption infiltrate positions of power, as we see immorality on the rise and being celebrated, as we hear of church leaders who abuse their power and fall, We see the pain in the world around us. It's hard to be thankful. And when we look at our own lives, how our bodies grow weak and face incurable diseases, how we struggle to avoid sin and resist temptation, how we suffer grief and loss in the face of death, it's hard to give thanks when the world around us feels so hopeless. And yet, Psalm 92 says it is good to give thanks to the Lord. Daniel, in our Old Testament reading, even in a very bad situation, was giving thanks to God. That worship helps us look at the world in all of its problems and still give thanks. How? Because God shows us the world for what it is. He shows us the truth about the wicked and the righteous. There's an honesty in verse 7 that I really appreciate. He writes, Though the wicked sprout like grass, and all evildoers flourish. The Bible understands that the good people don't always seem to be on top. That the wicked seem to get away with it. The wicked seem to prosper. They violate moral norms. They take what they want. They get away with it. 
There doesn't seem to be any stopping the wicked. They are like weeds in your flower bed that you can't get rid of. Why are they growing more than the stuff I want to grow? That's how we can feel looking at the world. So how can we be thankful if that's the case? Because he says more. Though the wicked sprout like grass and all evildoers flourish, they are doomed to destruction forever. But you, O Lord, are on high forever. The wicked will be judged. They will face consequences for their actions. The Lord Himself will hold them accountable. He will right all of the wrongs. And though it seems incredibly unlikely from looking at the world, from listening to the news, There is a good God in control of the world and He will judge the living and the dead. Worship helps us remember this. Because worship brings us back to the Word of God to give us wisdom to see the world. Look at verse 6. It says, The stupid man cannot know. The fool cannot understand this. In the Bible, the fools are those who do not listen to God's truth, who ignore God's wisdom. And so if you ignore what the Bible says about our world, you will think our world is doomed. That our world is some horrible dog-eat-dog world where people just take what they want and there's never any consequences. But worship points us to the wisdom of God's Word and shows us the flourishing of the wicked is temporary. And it assures us God will make things right. Verse 9 announces, Your enemies shall perish. All evildoers will be scattered. Our enemies will be brought to nothing. Those who are wicked, but also the other enemies of disease and poverty and sin and death that worship gives us clarity as each week we are reminded of the destiny of our world of the truth in our world. We are presented with alternative truths all the time, but worship points us back to the truth that God is in control and He is going to work things for good. And we see the good that He is pointing us towards in verses 12-14. through The righteous flourish like the palm tree and grow like a cedar in Lebanon. They are planted in the house of the Lord. They flourish in the courts of our God. They still bear fruit in old age. They are ever full of sap and green. When we are suffering in this life, we can feel very rootless. When we look around at the world, we can feel kind of like the trees outside and the grayish brown, just blah of winter. Like, this is really bad. But spring will come, and a new birth and a new beginning will come as God has promised. And those trees out there that look real dead, and all that brown and gray, will be thriving with life. And that is our hope and our promise as well. If we are planted in the house of God, if God has planted us there, and one way to remember that is to plant ourselves there each and every week. To remind ourselves that we have a place in the house of God because He has invited us in. And He gives a kind of flourishing that this world cannot take away. He gives joy. 
and hope and peace and forgiveness and love. The kinds of things that should be characterized in his house. This is what his place should be like. And as we gather each week, we are reminded of the kingdom that will last forever and how it is so very different from the kingdoms of this world. And so worship points us back to thankfulness of our God who is in control. But then we have to ask the next question, how are we sure we're getting planted there? It says the wicked will be scattered and judged and are doomed, but the righteous will be planted. How can we be sure when we also have done evil, when we have sinned against this God, when we have been ungrateful? Well, we see that there is hope, that God loves to bless His people. And we see hints here. We do not see the fulfillment, but we see pictures pointing us to Jesus. We see these hints in verses 10 and 11, and we see that the psalmist starts using the word my. He's now connecting what he sees about God and the world around him, and he's saying, here is where I fit in in this story. And it seems a little strange. But you have exalted my horn like that of the wild ox. You have poured over me fresh oil. My eyes have seen the downfall of my enemies. My ears have heard the doom of my evil assailants. Okay. Well, in the Bible, horns symbolize power or strength. And so animals like oxen, or you could think of longhorn cattle, would look really powerful with all those horns on their head. Like, I know I'm not messing with a rhino. That's not happening. It's got horns, and those look like they would hurt. I'm guessing a few of you might have yesterday been out looking for some horned or antlered animals that looked very nice and powerful. And so God is saying he will exalt us in a sense. And he also says, I will pour fresh oil over you, which again doesn't, like, doesn't sound great. But in those days, without modern cosmetics and soaps and things, they would use olive oil to get that sleek, shiny look. And again, maybe wouldn't recommend that for you today. But it was a symbol of beauty and blessing. It was also a way in which kings were anointed. King David, a horn, a hollowed out horn filled with olive oil was used to anoint him. And so there's exaltation and blessing. You are lifted up and you are blessed. It is not because we will literally have horns growing out of our head or God will give us a shower of olive oil No, those are symbolic of what Christ will do for us in conquering our enemies. That He, the true power, the truly anointed one, defeats our enemies for us. My eyes have seen the downfall of my enemies. My ears have heard the doom of my evil assailants. Not I have conquered my enemies. I have seen. I have heard of their downfall, because it is God and His anointed one who destroys my enemies. It is God who exalts and blesses me. And we know from all of Scripture that our blessing, our victory is found in Christ. And each week as we gather for worship, we focus on Him. That our exaltation is not in trying to grow our own horns of exaltation through our good deeds, that we might be impressive before God. It is not trying to make ourselves beautiful ourselves. No, it is the victory we have in Christ. 
It is seeing that victory in the cross. It is hearing that victory in the beautiful words, He is risen. He is risen indeed. That our exaltation and blessing come in a victory that someone else has accomplished. It comes through Jesus. And it is because of Jesus that we can be planted in the courts of God forever. And knowing that, we can give thanks in all circumstances. That's what our New Testament reading said. Give thanks in all circumstances. It does not say give thanks for all circumstances. We do not give thanks for that. Thank you, God, that my family is so very difficult. Like, No, we are not giving thanks for those things. We do not say, thank you, God, for my disease. We do not say that. But we can give thanks in those circumstances. Because even if we're going through that, God is still good. The world and the suffering that we are facing is temporary. And God has been good to us in Christ. And He is working all things out for His good purposes, even the circumstances we are going through. As we come to worship each week in the context of our circumstances, there can be a temptation to merely just count our blessings. To say, look at all of the things I have to be thankful for. The problem is when you do that, you can also count your sufferings. Let's count all of the things that are good and all of the things that are bad. And if our joy and our peace is based on how that balances out, it will be uncertain. And so we must remember the truths that go beyond our circumstances. The things we remember each week in worship. Who is God? What has He done for us? And for what good purposes is He working this world? If that is true, then no matter what we are going through, we can gather and give thanks in worship. We can rest on the Sabbath. Not just napping, but we rest knowing God has been good to us. That cannot change. That will not change. And because of that, He is worthy of our praise. He gives us reason to sing even in sad circumstances. So more than counting your blessings this week of thanksgiving, let us look to the One who has blessed us. Let us worship the God who has given us such blessings. And let us remember that each week as we gather, we give thanks to the Lord for He is good. He is our rock. And we gather to praise Him, our God. Let us pray. Lord, we thank You that You have established weekly worship that You might remind us. Lord, we are prone to wander. We are prone to forget. We are prone to have ourselves controlled by our circumstances. But we pray, O Lord, that You would set our feet firmly on the promises and truths in Your Word. That You would bring us back week after week to be reestablished in You to remember our blessings that You have given us in Christ, to know that we have victory even in a world that seems to be a losing battle. God, we pray that You would fix our eyes on Jesus, that You would help us to trust in Him and to give thanks for Him. And we pray that thankfulness might overflow in our hearts today and every day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.